Dateline, 6th of May, 2013. Well, day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 247. Well, Grant, uh, interesting this week, we have to talk about defence because they've handed down a defence white paper this week. You know, I always oh. find it interesting that they call it a white paper when it's probably volumes and volumes of fancy glossy brochures and booklets and binders and, you know, they should yeah, call but, it a defence you know, dead forest. Actually, once they put the uh, the white paper over the hole in defence and then paint it, it's no longer white. So it is a rather interesting proposition that you've got there, mate. Oh, there you go. Well, tell us about the white paper now. You know, the government uh, puts one of these out periodically and uh, talks about the things, you know, all the nice things they'd like to buy uh, in the coming years. And uh, interesting from an aviation standpoint, they do talk about uh, lots of things, including maybe getting some new submarines for the Navy, a few fancy bits and pieces for the Army. But for the Air Force, they're talking about buying 12 EA-18 Growlers. And uh, Grant, it looks like that they may be considering, instead of converting 12 of the 24 Super Hornets they've got into uh, the Growler spec, which uh, we've talked about uh, earlier in the year, maybe they won't do that now. Maybe they'll keep those ones as uh, F models and uh, buy 12 more Growlers. You know, that'd be pretty cool if they did that. Well, it's kind of interesting, mate, because those uh, 12 aircraft are apparently already plumbed, ready to have the additional equipment and pods put on to become the Growler. So that means they're either they're carrying excess weight or they've had a few other things removed so that they can be a Growler, which means if you don't make them a Growler, is that a bit of a waste, which would give us 12 normal Supers, 12 hybrid Supers, the F+, and 12 Gs. So I'm wondering if they're going to actually turn around and buy a whole new 12 F normals and convert those F pluses to the Gs. So I, I want to see where the details are at with that because the latter seems uh, pretty good. The other you know, seems like you're just going to be stuck with these hybrid units uh, in the middle. So it seems kind of odd if they go down that path. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense too, which is precisely why they won't do it that way that you suggested, Grant. Of course, this is a government we're talking about. Any government True. might do things logically. Well, I mean, let's face reality, mate. This current government, very likely to be out in September based on what everyone's talking about. If the current powers that be are no longer the powers that be and a new parliament is sworn in and we change leaders, then it's entirely possible this white paper may not survive intact. Yeah, well, that's, that's interesting. Although I would say that a lot of these programs are carried on over the term of several governments, uh, you know, regardless of uh, who they are. And I would point, of course, to the purchase of the uh, Joint Strike Fighters, which were also mentioned here. They were actually ordered uh, in the government prior to this one and will probably be delivered in the government after this one. Uh, but Grant, they, they were originally looking for 100 F-35 Strike Fighters. Now, there's some talk here in this white paper that they might be reducing that order now to 72. Yeah, and then you read it another way and it sort of says, well, no, they're actually doing 100. So again, waiting to see what happens there. It may be that they're bringing on a few earlier. I, I, I think I need to do a little bit more research perhaps, you know, spare some time to actually go through the whole PDF. But it d does seem from the summaries that I've been seeing that there's a little bit of confusion out there whether they're going for the 100 or the 72. Eventually the JSF is going to be a great aircraft, but I think it's designed to be used in conjunction with other aircraft, he says, looking at the F-22. Making it the only aircraft in the fleet, well as everyone said, that's why we're getting the growlers to plug some of the holes in in the JSF's defences and so on. I, I'm half and half on the uh, on the JSF. I, I love new technology and love new aircraft, but I'm not sure that a JSF on its own is really the, the solution we need. Well, Lockheed Martin certainly seem, uh, you know, very positive about it all. In fact, they put out a statement this week in response to the white paper that said, uh, amongst many other things, that uh, it was uh, honoured by the trust and confidence shown by the Australian government 
And uh, the statement says here, along with the first two Australian jets in production, which uh, they'll deliver by mid-2014, we will work closely with the government to support their purchase of their remaining 135 aircraft. So uh, maybe wishful thinking. Uh, You know, at one point I was thinking they might only order 50 based on some of the reports that I've read. So, well, if we get 72, that's a pretty sizable fleet for an Air Force the size of the Royal Australian Air Force. Let's face it, it's not a huge one. So, uh, you know, let's let's see where that goes. But uh, interesting news this week. And uh, boy. Yeah, definitely. You talk about interesting news, Grant. If we were a uh, you know a uh, maritime podcast, well, boy, talk about Australian submarines. That could keep us going for weeks. <laughs> Mate, there was quite a bit of uh, maritime aspects to the white paper. Uh, also included in there was uh, a shift in the perception of China. In the previous 2009 paper under the Rudd Labor government, China was seen as a threat. However, now under this white paper released under the Julia Gillard Labor government, it's saying the government does not approach China as a an adversary. Well, I guess, Grant, that makes sense because um, our entire economy is being supported by the uh, huge growth rates in China. So great guys, the Chinese. I love them. In fact, the company I work for is owned by the Chinese. They can't be all that bad. (laughs) Yeah, slip that one through and let's get on with it then. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get on with it. Well, speaking of politicians this week, Australia's Attorney General now, he's the most senior uh, law official in this country and uh, his name is Mark Dreyfus. He's uh, not very popular. In fact, he made quite a fool of himself this week on board a Qantas flight. Yeah, we're all told, all of us humans are told, turn off your electronic devices stop talking on the phone as soon as they close the door. You can get on board the plane talking, you can sit down on the plane talking, but once the door closes before they push back, you've got to put them into flight mode and turn them all off. And uh, yes, our wonderful Attorney General failed to turn his phone off. And when requested, he says he was uh, he wasn't requested multiple times. The crew are saying he was. Uh, basically, um, during the flight, they actually requested Australian Federal Police to meet the aircraft, but when they finally landed, uh, no assistance from the AFP was required and things had uh, calmed down. Mm. But apparently he failed to comply with the directions of the crew. Uh, I'm not sure if he was actually continuing to talk on it uh, during the flight or anything crazy like that. But, you know, if it had been one of us poor plebs, let's face facts, we would have been cuffed oft and uh, explaining to a judge just what we were thinking, wouldn't we? Yes, yes. A uh, pretty poor show there by Mark Dreyfus. He, he really ought to know better. In fact, any any person of uh, high office, regardless of their political affiliation, uh, you know, they, they should think about that. They're in the public eye. It wouldn't even matter if they're politicians, for that matter. If they're in the public eye, they need to think about this. And uh, I noticed that uh, some of the reports there are begging people to send in videos of this. I don't know that any came, but uh, yes. Yeah, uh, no, it's Mr. usual with most newspapers these days. It's uh, turning all the rest of us into their uh, staff but and asking us to pay for the articles. But anyhow, uh, we won't go down that path today. <laughs> Listeners should know that Grant has been uh, tormenting News Limited this week, demanding to know <laughs> why they're putting advertising in things that we're paying for. But uh, Grant, I don't think you had much luck though. I don't think you managed to turn them around, unfortunately. Oh, not a chance of that. I got total boilerplate, but now I feel justified for putting ad blocker in. But anyhow. There we go. Well, speaking of people that are going to turn things around, uh, let's talk about the new boss of Tiger Airways. He's ex-Qantas. So I think we mentioned that a few weeks ago in a report. Now Rob Sharp has uh, taken the reins there at Tiger Airways, so uh, let's see how that goes, eh? Yeah, indeed. He's apparently got an extensive executive management career in aviation, according to some of the articles. Uh, he uh, had a number of commercial roles at Qantas over the past 15 years, including in strategy, and is the head of the Global Airport Infrastructure and Services Group. You can tell I'm reading because that just rolled straight off my tongue. <laughs> uh, so now he's joining John Borghetti, yet another ex-Qantas executive, coming across to uh, help out John Borghetti, not so much with Virgin on this one, but with Tiger. 
So uh, can he turn it around? Can he make it work? Borghetti is saying they're not going to change any of their existing uh, route structure at this point. Uh, he's telling everyone just don't worry. Not Everything's not going to change overnight. It's all cool. Uh, we'll see what happens as they step forward. But uh, he's got a lot of work ahead of him, I would say. Well, I think that's everything we have this week, Grant. Uh, now, you know, actually this week I put up a photo of uh, my studio because I'm very proud of my little studio here. But uh, did you notice what Max referred to his studio as, Grant? Yeah, I think he called it the Max. Cave. The Ma- I think that's pretty cool. That doesn't sound very cool the way you said it there, though. I'd prefer to call it the, the Max, Max Cave. Cave. Yes. Whoa. Wow. I tell you what, Max, we need photos of the, the Max, Max Cave. Cave. I'd like to see them in the show notes this week. But with or without the bats and the funky Batmobile in the background? Oh, no. If he's got a Batmobile, that'd be even more cool. Okay. Well, I mean, that echo, it sounded like, wow, all you needed was the running water in the background, man. So there we go, dubbing Max in and making more work for him. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and I'm definitely not wearing Speedos, even if I do manage to keep kilos out of the cockpit. <laughs> I have never worn a pair of Speedos in my life, Grant. Yeah, and for which we are all eternally grateful. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Hey, with friends like me, who needs enemas?